Hello, I'm Marty Luke and Ed Choice is Director of Fiscal Policy and Analysis, and welcome to another episode of Ed Choice Chats. Today, I'm in the studio with Denise Shaquille, a postdoctoral student at Harvard University and a graduate of, from the University of Arkansas's Department of Education Reform. Thanks for joining me today, Danny. Thank you very much, Marty, for inviting me. So, Danny, um, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little about what you what brought to you into the K twelve education reform and school choice space? Thank you. Yeah, so you have already talked about my academic background in the U.S. I originally come from India. My mother was a public school teacher. Uh, more than half of my family teaches in public schools in India. So. Uh, yeah, I was interested in education from the beginning, and my parents uh, wanted to send me to the best school, so they chose a private school, and private schools happened to outperform the public schools in India. Um, I saw uh, the experience I grew uh, around kids who were going to public and private schools in my family and around, and that motivated me to improve education. Yeah, so I joined the program in Arkansas with that zeal. Uh, my background is that I was a physicist before. I changed to computer science, to mathematics, uh, didn't find satisfaction. I wanted to improve schools, and that's what brought me to uh, the field of school choice. Well, that's fascinating. So yeah, you've had a, quite a lot of uh, personal experience with this. So you've also studied some fascinating topics, not just school choice, but you've looked at private Islamic schooling and whether it promotes terrorism. You've looked at the intersection of school choice policies and Islamic schooling here in the West. And you've also investigated the relationship between school climate and school choice. Can you tell us about some of your research, what you've done, and perhaps what you're working on now? And what are some of the data sets that you tend to focus on or maybe have even created yourself? Sure. So the idea is uh, that I am motivated to study all these topics because I believe school should look like home to the maximum extent possible um, because people want their values represented in the education system um, and school choice is a mechanism to provide that. Uh, within that, I think religious uh, schooling, strong families, strong communities, all those things are the main drivers for people to select schools. Uh, yeah, so I study all, uh, all these topics, uh, whether it's Islamic schooling or religious education in general. Uh, some people who uh, oppose school choice, they, they claim that if you have school choice, uh, some radical schools may pop up. The claim uh, generated a lot of discussion, but there was no empirical study on this topic. It's difficult to collect data, uh, so we started with a preliminary research uh, on this topic by looking at the educational background of both the Islamist and the white supremacist uh, uh, acts of terror within the U.S. since 9-11. And we found that uh, the claim uh, that uh, having school choice will uh, lead to radical uh, outcomes is not supported by the data at least at the, at the preliminary level. It's not causal, we need more uh, evidence, more data points, but that's the initial finding we found. Um, uh, concerning the second study, I was motivated further to see how uh, does the Western world assimilate the immigrants 
and because there has been a lot of immigration from uh, the eastern part of the world and religious schools, specifically Islamic schools, have grown. So that led me to the second study to look at all the evidence on Islamic schools within uh, the entire West. I did a systematic review. Thirdly, um, oh, I can also tell what I found there. So I found that, uh, I was actually amazed that not only countries are providing uh, support for uh, religious education through vouchers, they are also allowing uh, people to study religious schooling within the public education system. U.S. is an exception. France may be an exception. But largely in Europe, this option is available. Interesting. This is very interesting. Uh, Netherlands, for example, has Hindu schools, it has Muslim schools, it has all kinds of support within the public system. Um, it has the maximum uh, degree of choice in Europe. Hmm. Uh, thirdly, some countries, uh, such as Finland, for example, they even provide support for training teachers for teaching religion in schools. This is also very interesting because if we don't have good teachers, we cannot uh, inculcate values and cannot address people's needs. So this is fascinating. I am uh, impressed. Um, and I want to replicate a similar study to look at how have Christian institutions uh, helped people get education in the developing world in the last 50 years. I don't know of any topic uh, at the larger uh, review level which has looked at this particular issue. Uh, so in future, I want to uh, also do another review uh, of this uh, nature. You also talked about my interest in uh, school climate. So I have the belief that schooling uh, initially began with the idea that uh, it should look like what we do in homes and provide some skills. But as things progressed, uh, things became more bureaucratic, schools uh, started to look like uh, something uh, unlike homes. Uh, James Coleman, for example, had the idea that schools look like prison. So there was a survey uh, which we realized from the Institute of Education Sciences uh, and collected data from principals. It asked them uh, about the frequency of problems in schools and what kind of security measures they adapt. Now, if you look at the security measures like random metal detectors, using dog sniffs, and uh, using drug checks, um, I was like shocked. I never thought that these things happen in schools. Uh, yeah, so the idea that schools look like prison perfectly makes sense to me. It's different from India then. Yeah, uh, I I have not seen such things in India, <laughs> at <laughs> least in my experience. Your experience, yeah. Yeah, so I understand we want to protect kids, but at the, sa at the same time, protection should not mean that we turn schools into prisons. Uh, and the, the reason I say that is because if someone is going through an environment of prison for 12 years, the marginal cost to go into a prison becomes less. And that's what we find in a lot of studies on school choice, that if people go to schools of choice, they are less likely to end up going to prison. Uh, Corey DeAngelis, my uh, friend, uh, my former colleague, has done a study on that, which you are aware of. Yes. Um, yeah, so we published that study, and I look forward to do more work in this area. You also talked about which database, databases I compiled or I have utilized. Uh, as of now, I have looked at data from the NCES, uh, the National Center for Education Statistics, and data on principles, data on, uh, um, uh, for example, crime, things like that. I have also compiled uh, data myself from the voucher estimates around the world. Uh, and I did a meta-analysis, which is a method to combine the evidence 
at the statistical level to claim the average effect from these studies. That's interesting, especially something you said early on that you think that schools should look like homes or at least reflect, you know, be able to reflect the values in that parents should have options to be able to have more say in the types of education that their own kids receive and whatnot. So can you talk a little bit about what you hope to work on from here on out or into the future? What topics are you interested in pursuing? So I have developed some recent interest in uh, how does family structure affect education? Uh, How does uh, the frequency of religious service attendance affect education? Um, some of it is also coming from my uh, reading on uh, what is happening in the medical science world. So uh, at Harvard, uh, they have a center for program um, in uh, interactive uh, education uh, and human flourishing. And there, uh, a lot of professors at the Harvard Medical School have looked at the effect of attending uh, religious services and outcomes such as happiness um, and health outcomes generally. And what has been found in US and Europe uh, that uh, attending religious service is positively related to uh, longer life, happiness, and health outcomes. This makes me wonder uh, whether religious schooling could provide uh, some of that opportunity for people to uh, engage in communal activities and tying that to the earlier idea of uh, uh, Coleman, that schools are communities, specifically private schools. So this is what I'm really interested in. Moreover, in the last 70, uh, 30 years, uh, the family structure has changed uh, tremendously. We used to have uh, a two-parent family initially uh, in the early 1990s. That has changed over time. Uh, this, This makes me wonder whether uh, the social capital uh, theory of uh, Coleman as applied to private schools has changed. So I'm very interested in looking at the patterns, uh, how family structure has affected education. I'm trying to collect some data over the last 50 years that could allow me to do that. Uh, I also want to do a systematic review of all the evidence on family structure on education around the globe. So I'm talk, uh, in talk with some people who can uh, uh, co-author with me because this will be a huge work. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, fascinating. So we've only touched on just a few topics that you work on and are interested in. Looking at the research that has been done to date, including some of your own, what lessons should policymakers and families take away from your work, as well as other work, in the context of the broader body of research on school choice? I would say policymakers need to be humble. And by humble, I mean uh, we should not jump to conclusions based on a single study, whether it's pro or anti-choice, because people uh, respond to certain programs in different ways. Their behavior changes over time. So data should inform our decision. It should not drive them. For example, let's say if we want to evaluate uh, the impact from a school voucher program. Uh, the impact might be different in year two than year one. Should we draw our conclusions from what happens in year one, or should we draw our conclusion from what happens in year two, especially if the significance level changes across those two years? In my view, uh, the evidence that is latest, which means 
let's say a voucher program has been in place for a number of years. People have been able to respond uh, to voucher by changing their inputs at the home level and also at the school level. Um, that is the appropriate way to look at uh, um, the impact of a program. And we see from voucher programs uh, that the more they are used, uh, the better the impact becomes on Tesco's. Uh, the impact at a later year is, is higher than it was uh, at a prior year. And that could be because of uh, investment from parents, uh, more uh, attention from teachers, or allowing students to adjust into new schools. Any of those things could be possible. But I think uh, uh, we should be humble and allow people to uh, uh, learn from their experiences and adapt to the program. I agree what you said. I think that there is a tendency to just point to one study and be like, here, this is how it is, and this is how programs are going to look like. So some of your work revolves, as you mentioned earlier, on conducting meta-analyses of voucher programs. Can you tell our audience a little bit about this work and you know, what a meta-analysis is in the first place? So a meta-analysis is a statistical technique to combine the evidence on a similar topic, uh, on a similar outcome across a number of studies done in different contexts or maybe in a similar context. Uh, by doing that, we are able to tell whether the evidence uh, overall is pointing in a positive or in a negative or even in another direction. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a statistical technique. It is more than just taking an, taking an average because we also account for the weight. That is the number of uh, participants that have uh, taken part in these programs across different contexts, the nature of uh, moderators, which means, for example, the source of funding could be different, public or private, um, and other factors could account for difference in context. Yeah, so we account for all those things and then get at an average impact from those programs. That is a meta-analysis. In specifically applying that question to vouchers, uh, there have been a number of experimental studies on vouchers, which means that they're causal. Uh, we are able to An look experimental, at... experimental, you mean random assignment? Yes, yeah. yes. I mean that uh, students were randomly assigned uh, and they could choose vouchers to go to private schools of their choice. Mm -hmm. There have been 21 studies until uh, today uh, across the globe on this topic, uh, and they have looked at uh, uh, math and reading test scores of students. Yeah, so we are able to combine all the evidence uh, uh, using some techniques um, and build some models and, and also study whether vouchers are able to raise students' achievement overall or not. Interesting. And is this work complete and available anywhere, or is it, are you still working on this? So an earlier version was released publicly in 2016. Uh, since then, uh, we have... Uh, uh, updated it. We have employed an, the latest methods in, available in the field of meta-analysis. Some of those methods have uh, recently been developed, so we were able to learn and utilize them. Uh, the, uh, so uh, the updated version has not been released publicly. It is under review currently at a major journal, and we hope to uh, see uh, a public release sometime soon. Okay. So you're not able to spill the beans about the results yet? 
So the results are sim- the results are similar to what we found earlier, which is slightly uh, better understanding of what is going on. I okay. could claim that vouchers tend to generate modest achievement uh, um, on the voucher uh, students. Okay. Uh, I could I can also say that uh, we are seeing a timing effect, which means the more uh, time that is allowed in these voucher programs, the better it is. We are also seeing some effect of regulation, which Kuride Angeles, for example, is finding in his studies that regulations tend to affect the voucher impacts negatively. Yeah, so all those findings are there in our updated analysis. Interesting. Certainly look forward to seeing that paper when it's released. So Danny, what needs and priorities do you see for future school choice research? I... Uh, I think uh, uh, we need to understand, first of all, how things are changing at the larger level before we even evaluate things at the lower level. For example, uh, Sean Reardon has shown, uh, using census data, that private school enrollment has been declining consistently in the last 50 years. Um, I like to study this topic, so this makes me concerned why it is happening. I understand some people who don't like school choice, they keep on claiming that privatization is increasing, but the data is showing uh, uh, contrary to what they are claiming. Um, Again, I want to focus on the variables I talked about earlier, that is, uh, there has been a decline in uh, family structure, uh, a decline in uh, religious service attendance. So those could be affecting people's behavior. Yes, so I think we need to understand uh, the philosophy and sociology of uh, things before proceeding further. I am all for conducting random assignment studies to understand things, to scale up the evidence on vouchers. And this, the, the last point about scaling evidence is important because a lot of studies on vouchers have uh, utilized small samples. Uh, unless we do um, experiments that are at a scale, we cannot learn much from them. Uh, we cannot uh, tell whether uh, the impact will generalize to a larger population or not. So I would definitely argue for newer RCTs that have much larger sample than before. Well, thank you very much for sharing all of this with us today. And it's been a real pleasure. And thank you. Thanks, Danny, for being with us today. So thank you very much. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, thank you for inviting me. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast for more of our coverage of new school choice research, education reform policy chats, and more. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon for more EdChoice Chats.